It's Your Health Radio, a special podcast series presented by Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. The Santa Clarita Valley is home to many varieties of snakes, some of whom are dangerous. Today, we're going to explain how to identify if a snake is venomous or non-venomous, explain how to protect yourself from venomous snakes, and discuss what to do if you're bitten by a snake. Welcome to It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Frank Hoffman. He's a park ranger with the Los Angeles County Parks and Recreation Department, and he's the Recreation Services Supervisor at Placerita Canyon Natural Area. And he's here to tell us all about snakes. Ranger Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us what kind of snakes can be found in the Santa Clarita Valley. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate the invitation, everybody. Well, we have several varieties, species and subspecies of snake here. The most common non-venomous snakes are going to be your gopher snakes, the California common king snakes, our whip snakes, like the stripes whip snake, the racers, the coach whips, which are the red racer, and which are the same snake. And then, of course, the rattlesnakes. We support in our valley and the surrounding areas the Southern Pacific rattlesnake, which is a subspecies of the Western diamondback. It's one of several in the state that we have, but that's ours. That's the one that chooses to support itself in Pasarita Canyon and the Santa Clarita Valley as a whole. I think this is such a cool topic. Are the snakes active year round, Ranger Frank, or are just at certain times when people are likely to run into them? Well, <laughs> times have changed, Melanie, from once I started doing this 28 years ago with Parks and Rec. We have seen an activity support year round Sometimes in the January, February periods of time here in SoCal, you'll see several days of warm temperatures. We used to say between essentially March and October, November for the snakes. Now we're seeing them with warmer days, sunnier days. We're seeing them almost sometimes year round. It's almost like our fire season here has gone year round now, unfortunately. But as long as people do what they need to to protect themselves in the environment, as long as they do what they need to protect their animals as well, people don't think about their critters and their animals, then they should be okay. They'll have a great time outside. And LA County wants to make sure that you know you're safe and you're welcome everywhere you can be in, in our park system. But they can't be found year round. To answer that question directly, you just never know. And they can be found anywhere from the outskirts of the Santa Cruz Valley on the urban edge where urban life meets the outdoor open space areas. They can be found in our parks within the middle of the city. They can be found in storm drains and culverts, just about anywhere where they are supported by what they need, of course, food, water, and shelter. Those are the three things that animals need. And of course, the fourth arrangement, these things have to be arranged in a way that they can get to them. There are a lot of things people can do to protect themselves from snakes like this. The rattlesnakes, of course, are the ones we're worried about the most. Well, thank you for telling us where they're found, because that's really an important aspect of this. People are hiking on trails, and they're looking around in the bush, and they're you know not sure where they're going to see them. Now, if a snake does cross someone's path, or they see one, how can you tell if a snake is dangerous? You listed a whole bunch of them, Ranger Frank, at the beginning. How do we know? What are we supposed to do? Carry around a little guide thing? How do we know if it's a dangerous one or not? I did mention that. Thank you very much, Melanie. Actually, there are venomous and non-venomous snakes here, clearly. I mentioned the garter snakes and king snakes. You won't always see the head of the animal. You won't always see the tail of the animal. Non-venomous snakes in California 
where we're at here in Santa Cruz Valley, have a head and a neck and a body that are almost the same width. It's almost as if you were to look at your thumb. If you gave yourself a thumb up and you looked at it, the head shape would be typical of your thumb and how it's attached to your finger and such, your body, your hand. It's rounded at the tip. The tail on the other end is long and narrow and pointed. All non-venom snakes here have long, narrow, pointy tails. The rattlesnakes, by contrast, have a wide head, somewhat blunt nose, a narrow neck, and then a somewhat plump or fattened body. At the end of the tail, of course, it is flat. It is almost perpendicular to the rest of the body, flat straight across. And of course, if the animal has been eating as it has been growing, it has been shedding its skin. As they get older and shed their skin, every time that happens, a new rattle or button, if you will, will be added to the end of the tail. They are not permanent. They break off. They're very brittle. We dispel at Henry Mayo in our rattlesnake abatement and awareness classes that you cannot tell how old a rattlesnake is by counting the rattles at the end of the tail. That just means the animal shed its skin at least that many times. When they grow too long, they break off. They might be eating very well in a given year and growing more than normal or an average, shall I say. They might shed their skin two or three times in one year, given one season, if you will. And they're adding two or three buttons or rattles. They're not three years older at the end of that three sheds. They're still a year, but they've added three rattles. So that's something we want to make sure people know is that you cannot tell how old a rattlesnake is by counting the rattles at the end of the tail. To protect yourself is to make sure that you are aware of your surroundings, making sure that where you are, whether you're stepping out of your front door or your house, a lot of people have encountered snakes simply by stepping out of their home. They live on the urban edge, as I mentioned, where the mountains abut their properties. And you need to make sure that you're always watching where you're putting your hands and your feet. You need to make sure that if you're in the wild and you're hiking, that you stay, again, in the middle of the trail you're not bushwhacking the trails, going off trail, cutting your own paths. Rattlesnakes don't always warn you before they harm you. You're lucky if you hear it before it sees you and strikes out an defensive strike. They don't want to hurt you. They don't want anything to do with you. They're more afraid of you than you are of them. But they will do what they have to to protect themselves in their territory, their natural habitat, if they have to, if they feel threatened. A lot of cases when people encounter rattlesnakes, if there's a group of people, the snake will take off in a direction that is seemingly in your direction, in your path. It's like it's coming at you. No, the snake just chose the wrong path. Uh, again, he was trying to get out of there. Animals, too, instincts are fight or flight, and all they want to do is get the heck out of there and have any encounter with something that's coming with that large a vibration in the earth, in the soil. They pick up vibrations in the earth with some nerve receptors on their lower jaw. They can't hear. They have no ears. So that's how they, they determine whether something is going to be a potential prey animal or whether or not it's a potential predator that could harm them and they're going to do everything they can to survive. That's a very strong instinct with wildlife and animals, of course. So what do we do, Frank, if they are coming at us? Do we run? Do we step aside? Do we just stand really still? What do we do if a snake is coming towards us? Just stand still, observe the snake, be glad that you got to see it. It's rare that people even encounter snakes out there on the trails, at least in our valley at Placerita. You know, stand still, give it a chance to determine which is the best exit route, and it will usually crawl away in a mild-mannered calm. Sometimes people walk up on snakes and surprise them. They'll blast off like the racers. They're very quick. They'll just head off in the opposite direction as quickly as they can. They, unlike a lot of snakes, they have very good eyesight. Some snakes don't have very good eyesight. The racers do. They can see as well as feel that vibration, but 
stand still, give the snake an opportunity to crawl away. If it doesn't, and you can do so safely with about at least a six foot distance from the snake and walk around it to continue on your path, you should be able to do that. Another thing that I do is always hike with a stick. So if I have to put my walking stick tip in the dirt in between the snake and myself, if there's an issue, then I can do that and very safely walk around the snake. I'll walk away from it. I know we're talking to a Southern California audience, but Walking around it sometimes might put you in a situation where you're walking through poison oak. We have that here in the Midwest and back East. Folks have to be concerned with poison ivy, of course. I'm aware of that. We don't have anything other than the Southern Pacific rattlesnake in our immediate area, although we have nine different types of rattlesnakes here, I believe. The Western diamondback and the subspecies. We do not have coral snakes here. We do not have copperheads. We do not have the water moccasin. We have a snake that mimics the coral snake, the California mountain king snake, one I hadn't mentioned yet, it's an example of animal mimicry where it has brightly colored skin, red, black, and white, and it's mimicking the coral snakes, which are red, black, and yellow. We try to teach the folks that visit Plowsherita that if red touches yellow, it could kill a fellow. But if red touches black, it's a friend of Jack or venom lack. It's however you want to remember it, but milk snakes and king snakes have that red, black, and white pattern on their bodies. The coral snakes are red, black, and yellow, and those can, of course, inflict severe damage to human and animals at the same time. And just be careful where you're watching, everybody. If you're on the trail and you have to step over a log or get over a log somehow, make sure you look over it first or step on top of the log and look over and see what's on the other side at the base of the log in the shadow don't just step over it. You know, there might be a snake there waiting for you and it will lash out if it feels threatened and maybe bite your ankle. That's a great piece of advice. That one really is. Now, Frank, what do you do if you do get bit? Because I think people have all different kinds of opinions, whether they should put on a tourniquet, whether they should use some sort of device to try and suck out the venom, whether they should, what should they do? What do they do? That is very old school, Melanie. Very, very old school, my lady. No, absolutely not to either of those two. First thing is if you can keep your, yourself calm or keep your patient calm, do just that. Tell them that you're doing everything you can to get help. The first and immediate thing I want you to do or people to do is call 911. Send the medical or get the medical attention to you immediately. If you have anything on the appendage that was bitten, in fact, most people are bitten from the waist up. If my understanding, almost 80, 85% of the people that are bitten are bitten from the waist up, usually the hands and the arms. So immediately get your watches off, your bracelets, your rings, anything that might act as a constricting band. You don't want to do that. You do not want to restrict your body's fluids from interacting, I understand, with the venom that was just injected into your system. Everything, of course, is relative to the bite itself. Was it a scratcher? Did it sink in? Is it still hanging on? A lot of people think baby rattlesnakes are more dangerous than the adults. They are not. We'll get to that in a minute. But stay calm. Get your rings off, your watches, your bracelets. Get the bite below the heart. Put a bend in your elbow. Bend it as if it were fractured. If you can support it like as if somebody had a broken arm or like that, try to do that. If you must walk because you're by yourself, which we don't recommend, you want to prevent a lot of things from happening, don't hike alone. Hike it with a buddy system, carry a stick, right? So put a bend in it, walk very, very slowly. 
drink as much water as you can. Continue to hydrate your body. Walk very slowly. Tell 911 where you're located. Make sure they know how to find you. They will begin analyzing the potential bite that had occurred. They'll be radioing back to the hospital. We're very thankful in Santa Cruz Valley, Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital does treat for rattlesnake envenomation. A lot of folks don't have that ability based on where they're located. We have several hospitals on the outskirts of the Santa Carita Valley, like Northridge Hospital and Antelope Valley Hospital, the sister hospitals that Henry Mayo uses if they run out of antivenom, for example. They have a partnership where they work with other hospitals, but we have the fortunate ability to do that call. They'll call the head. They will make sure that the hospital knows you're on your way. They'll be checking your vitals and letting everybody know that you're in the ambulance heading that way. And they'll start mixing that antivenom to get ready for you. And they have had a very, 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 very good success rate here at Henry Mail, is my understanding. And we love what they do. We love this community outreach, what they're doing for the community in our Santa Cruz Valley. And from what I understand at large, stay calm, walk very slowly, get the bite below the heart, get the rings off the watches, the bracelets and just do what you can to get to medical attention as quickly as possible. Time is tissue. The longer it takes for you to get to medical attention, the more potential tissue damage can happen to your body or where you were bitten. And we don't want anything to happen any more than what unfortunately has already occurred. Most people survive rattlesnake bites from what I understand in the state. We only lose maybe one, maybe two or so people every year from what I understand to be an estimated 220 or so rattlesnake bites annually in our state. I know that people that collect rattlesnakes when they get calls from people about rattlesnakes in their properties or in their homes. A friend here in the Santa Cruz Valley recently told me, in fact, as recent as yesterday, that his crew since the first of the year has picked up roughly 25, 30-ish or so rattlesnakes from people's properties in the valley here. He says that's not unusual. It's not abnormal. They are out right now. People need to be aware that they are. They need to bring up any extra water bowls or dishes that they don't need. They need to do things around their home, like brush up the limbs and the branches, especially around the water hoses and the water spigots. You want to make sure that you have a clear view of where that water handle is so that you're not reaching down and for something to strike out and bite. Food, water, shelter, and arrangement. If you've got drippy water faucets at your property, or if you have water sources like ponds or pools or streams, these are locations where prey animals will go and the snakes will track them and they will be there. And they also find these water sources as a necessity of survival. So they're out there, but they're very important in the environment too. We know that. We know we need snakes out there. They're cleaning up the rodent populations. So we know snakes are a vital part of our environment. County of Los Angeles wants you to know that. Henry Mayo wants you to know that, everybody. They're very, very important part of our ecosystem, and they should be left alone at all opportunities, left alone to do what Mother Nature has intended for them to do and maintain the rodent populations that we have out there in our in our wild spaces. Frank, you are so passionate and knowledgeable and so easy to listen to. Boy, what a great topic. I could talk to you all day. I just have one question. I'd like you to summarize, just kind of give us your best advice. As we think about hiking and and you've given us such great advice about what to look for and where to look and what to do if bitten, what can people really do to protect themselves? Does the clothes we wear, does hiking with a dog, for example, keep you safer Or is that dog likely to get into a scuffle with the snake? Kind of just summarize for us your best advice when you give these popular classes on snake safety at Henry Mayo Fitness and Health. Well, what I do is I teach that there are more than five senses. There are six, actually. 
Sight, smell, touch, hearing, taste, and your most important sense, your common sense. You can have a dog on a leash, sure, I get that, but if your dog is 20 feet in front of you on one of those extended lines, that can be a challenge. Sure, he or she are gonna get up to that snake before you are. I recommend that people, when they're out there with their animals, keep them on a tight leash, keep them within five, six feet of yourself. Not to mention the other issues out there, the spiny plants and the other dogs off their leashes. When you walk on the trail, as I mentioned, walk in the middle of the trail, be aware of your surroundings. Pay attention to what your ears are telling you or what your dog senses are. You know when your dog might know or feel or sense danger. A lot of folks will send their dogs, for example, to rattlesnake awareness training where they are taught to be aware of, to smell things like rattlesnakes and stuff before they get too close. Pay attention to your animals. Pay attention to your own common sense. Again, always hike with a stick. Don't hike alone. Don't hike in areas that you are unfamiliar with or where you know there have been a lot of snake sightings. Use off hours. Use the cooler times of day, maybe, or the hotter times of day too. I mentioned that rattlesnakes like 75 to 80 degrees is an optimal temperature. Maybe a little bit warmer for you, but hopefully the snakes will have been put in and they won't be coming out at those times when it's super hot. They don't like when it's super cold either. So I suggest people hike in the fall, in the winter maybe. Get your exercise in in the spring, but be cautious of the time of day when the hot part of the day starts to mellow and afternoons between three and five o'clock when it starts to cool, that's when the snakes are going to be more abundant too. Know your surroundings, know snake history. Come to the Plot Street and Nature Center and come find out from the Nature Center what to do and what not to do. And of course, always make sure your veterinarian, as I mentioned, knows how to treat for rattlesnake envenomation too. You don't want to spend time looking for a vet that does. Make sure you check ahead of time. It's like a Boy Scout motto and common sense approach to being prepared. Always be one step ahead of the potential dangers and maladies that can happen when you're not just in the nature of things, but when you're at home as well. Be alert. Be alert. What great advice, Frank. My goodness. You are so much fun to talk to, Ranger Frank. Thank you so much for joining us. And from time to time, Ranger Frank teaches a popular class on snake safety at Henry Mayo Fitness and Health. To see all of Henry Mayo's educational offerings, most of which are free, you can visit henrymayo.com forward slash classes. You can also visit the free health information library at library.henrymayo.com. That can Concludes this awesome episode of It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.